From, from Spartan Stadium to Ford Field, we've got the sports opinions that matter to you. From the Driven Collision Studios, we make friends by accident on the game. 7.30 a.m. 7.30 a.m. The views and positions expressed in this program are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the views and positions of the game 7.30 a.m. Some may find the content of this program controversial or offensive. Time to play the game. Be ready. Put on your big boy pants and buckle up. This isn't a safe space for weak takes or whining. You can say that this sports radio show is offensive-minded. Call the show at 517-300-4263. Text or call us through the game, 7.30 a.m. Message the game, 7.30 a.m. on Facebook. Guess who's back? Back again. Beanie's back. Tell a friend. Here's your host and professional Hellraiser, Beanie Howell. Welcome in, 412 in your capital city on a Thursday. How's everybody doing? You sick of Christmas music yet? It's not even officially December, and I am already at my wit's end. The Christmas music pumping through this building. My God, we got a long way to go yet. Well, anyway, let's dive in. Look, at the risk of all of you changing the channel... I want to take the bold step of starting today's show talking Pistons. And I know they don't move the needle. I know no one cares when they're good, let alone with what's going on now. I know. I understand. But also, people, you you have to understand that I have an obligation. I have a noble and sacred duty to call out impropriety as I see it and to uphold the, the virtue and standard of the truth. But in all seriousness, I don't just I, I, I just don't hear anyone talking about this, so I'm gonna do it. Yes, I accept this glorious burden. So in case you're like everyone else, and don't pay attention all don't pay attention at all to the Detroit Pistons, and you really haven't in 20 years. No shame in that. That makes you normal. But they did lose a franchise record 15th consecutive game last night. They set a new franchise worst. 15 straight L's. And these aren't just narrow defeats. Oh, no. Last night, 
the ancient, decrepit Los Angeles Lakers beat the hell out of the Pistons in Detroit. 133-107. to The Pistons are the worst team in the NBA. That's not new. But they're 2-16. and There's no signs of hope anywhere. There's nothing to look forward to on the horizon. And look at their schedule. Look at their schedule and you tell me when they'll even be favored in a game again, let alone when they'll win one. If you've been forced to watch any of this team this year, and really that's the only way anyone consumes them, I only watch because I have to to be able to talk about it. I don't know why anyone would make the cognitive decision to expose themselves to that. The equivalent of nails on a chalkboard in visual sports format. Why not just stab your eyeballs out? But the Pistons, they're bad at everything. They have absolutely no redeeming qualities. Now, the good news, if there is any, is that their 15-game losing streak, well, it is, it's not even one of the 30 worst in NBA history. Now, to earn that ignominy, they'll have to lose at least two more to get the streak up to 17. Don't worry, that's going to happen. They're at the New York Knicks tonight. They host Cleveland on Saturday. Those will both be losses, and then we'll be in the top 30 losing streaks in the history of this league. The all-time worst losing streak in NBA history was set by the 2014-15 and 2015-16 Sixers across parts of those two seasons. They lost 28 in a row. The Pistons will probably threaten to unseat them on top that, atop that historic dung pile. By the way, the worst losing streak in the history of North American professional sports, that's within reach too. The Chicago Cardinals, a franchise we now know as the Arizona Cardinals, once lost 29 consecutive games between the 1942 and 1955 seasons. The worst ever losing streak in the history of North American professional sports. The Pistons are getting uncomfortably close to superlatively awful and wretched history. 2-16 2-16 and 16 on the year. Worst ever regular season record in NBA history, the 2012 Charlotte Bobcats, 7-59. and 59. Don't you think that's within reach, too? Certainly seems like it. I don't have to cut it any other way. I mean, if you've watched any of this, you know this is bad, and not just bad within the context of the Pistons bad. Because that's all we've really ever known under Tom Gores is a completely futile NBA franchise from top to bottom. But this is special in all the wrong ways. I feel bad for people who have to pay attention to this. And I'm not talking about myself because thank God you guys don't really care. If I had to come in here and talk Pistons every day, oh my God. Can you imagine? I mean, nobody wants that, thankfully. But think about the guys who cover the team. Think about the guys who work for the team. Thinks about poor George Blaha. Hasn't he had enough? Isn't this literally bad for George's health? 
it ought to be illegal for his employers to put George what he's been through the last two years between Michigan State basketball and the Pistons, excuse me, Michigan State football and the Pistons. Yeah, cruel and unusual. That doesn't even begin to describe what's going on here. It's not right. How about Monty Williams? He must go home every night and just jump into a pile of hundreds and roll around. That's the only way any of this was worth it. Six years, $78.5 million. $13.1 million per year on average. The biggest ever coaching contract in the history of the NBA. I mean, does he just keep a stack of hundos in a briefcase at any time so he can open it up like, let's make a deal? Or what's that show? The Howie Mandel show where they open up cases of money. That's the only way. Like, he has to have a permanent briefcase full of hundreds so that he can open it up and look at them to remind himself why he's putting himself through this. Otherwise... Monty Williams must constantly just hear this in his head. I immediately regret this decision. He didn't need the money either. That's the thing. Yeah, I would just... You know how people have kids, their kids as their background on their iPhone? Mine would be just a stack of that money. And I'd keep, you know, a a couple of those stacks of hundreds in my pocket just to pull out and smell, just to get by. Can you imagine that? Like in the middle of the game, here's another Pistons turnover. He just reaches into his pocket and pulls out a stack of Benjamins and just, okay, all right, we can make it through this. By the way, how much longer do we give the Troy Weaver experiment? He's in his fourth season now. There's been no progress to speak of at all. Only regression. Anywhere else, this dude would have been fired well before now. But see, that's the problem. Tom Gores does not care. He can't even be bothered to leave L.A. to attend one of these games. Why would he actually put in the time, money, sweat equity, whatever, sweat equity necessary to field a legitimate NBA team? If he can't be bothered to get off his ass on his private jet and come here, what makes anyone think he's willing to do the hard work to field a winner? And let's check in on the infamous stats. Since Tom Gores bought this team in 2011, their record now 388 wins, 654 losses. That's a winning percentage of 372. By far the worst record of any NBA team over that stretch. By the way, the 388 wins, the next worst team has more than 30 wins better than that. Translation, the Pistons aren't just the worst team in the league since Tom Gores bought them. They're in a league of their own in terms of incompetence. It's obvious Gores doesn't care. The Pistons are just a vanity project to him. Or another, you know, another piece of property. Just another expensive toy he can brag about to his friends in L.A., the Glitterati. My question is this. How much longer can this go on before somebody forces him to care or forces him to divest, to sell the damn team? Whether it's the media, you, the fans, if there are any left, or the NBA, Adam Silver. Is any of that even possible? 
Maybe we should just be hoping Gore says something racist in front of a hot mic. Maybe we need Gore's wife or, I don't know, is he married? Whatever. Somebody close to Gore's. If anyone listening is close to Tom Gore's, could you please surreptitiously record him saying something racist and then immediately sell that to TMZ? At least then we could get the NBA to force him to sell. And no, literally nobody could be a worse owner. If he sold the... You realize that? If he sold the Pistons, there is a 100% chance it would get better. Because there's nowhere else to go but up. Is any of that even realistic, though? Can anyone force this guy to either care or depart from owning the team? Again, I, I don't think the media is that interested in the Pistons. Not that the Detroit media is particularly interested in doing the uncomfortable work necessary when one of these pro teams is just an abject failure. I don't think the fans care enough. There aren't enough of you, even if you do, to move the needle. He doesn't even know that you guys exist. I mean, I think it could honestly only be the NBA or Adam Silver. I just don't know how we get there outside of a cancelable offense. I just don't know how to get there without Gore's saying something you can't say in 2023 and, and us having audio and or video of it. I just don't see any other way. Maybe the better question is, though, because, you know, this is all because Gore's doesn't care. But maybe the better question is, do you even care? Does it matter to you that the Pistons are in the middle of literally the worst stretch in their long history? Did you even know? Were you even aware? Do you care? I mean, you hear it every day here on the updates. Pistons lost again. They're losing streak up to 15, the worst in the history of the franchise. You're going to hear it again tomorrow. Pistons lose a 16th straight. We'll come in on Monday. The Pistons have lost 17 games in a row. Do you care? Do you care about them at all? 517-342-63. Let us know. You can email the show, beanie at wvfnam.com. You can use Facebook. Send us a message or comment there. Find us on Facebook just by searching for the game 730 AM or use the free game 730 AM app. Pretty handy. If you don't have it already, download it for free in the Apple App Store or Google Play. Quick chat in the main menu. It's a cool little free messaging feature, equivalent of uh, sending in a text message to us for free. We read those on air. You can weigh in in that way, all right? By the way, can we talk about the most interesting thing that happened in the Pistons game last night? Of course, it had nothing to do with the Pistons. And I see callers on the line. Hang on, I'm about to get to you. But trust me, you'll want to hear this. If you didn't watch the game, and really, I don't blame you. But Bally has to do something to make it worth tuning into. So what they did (laughs) is Donovan Edwards, you know, the Michigan running back who said he was going to revolutionize the position. And uh, for a guy who's going to revolutionize the position... Awful hard to do when you're buried on the depth chart. But I digress. Donovan Edwards, you know, of social media anti-Semitism fame, 
was at the game last night. I think he was there with a bunch of Michigan players, and they were sitting courtside. Johnny Kane, you know, you see him on the Tigers broadcast, too, in the Red Wings sometimes. Works for Bally. He went over there to try to do a fun little in-game interview. But Johnny wasn't prepared for how much liquor had been imbibed. Just take a listen. This is great. This was actually fun and funny. This saved that broadcast. How you living right now? Oh, you know, I'm blessed, baby. I can't. Man, I'm excited to be out here in the hometown in Detroit, Michigan, watching this beautiful game with my boys. You know, we all looking sexy out here, man. Can't complain, man. We are, we are great. You guys are amazing. Yeah, that's what's happening out there. There's no question about it. I think about you well, last hey, year. They, they, they looking sexier than me. I can't. I, I, I know. I know the dress code today. Hey, hold on. Get, get, get my boy Chain right here. My boy Rod, Mister, Mister Ohio, Mister Ohio, who saved the day. Who today I feel uh, gay. You guys are coming off a big win over Ohio State, as we know. D'Angelo Russell's putting on a show. He's a Buckeye. LeBron yeah. James loves the Buckeyes. What are your feelings on the Buckeyes? Oh, uh, see, you, 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 you want to, you want me to say something no, no, that I no, can't no, say. I don't, I don't want to. But it's okay because it's, you know, I'm gonna go to my, to my interview, my interview Donovan right here. You know, it's a respect for, it's respect the rivalry. You know, it's love between, you know, our class and their class, and 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 all that good stuff. You know, so it's 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 it's, it's a love hate rivalry that's going on out here. You know, it's nothing but love and respect. What the hell is he talking about? Michigan-Ohio State is a love-hate rivalry. Since when? Man, I mean, I know he's drunk, and that's fine. He's there just to watch a basketball game. There's nothing wrong with that. That's really on Bally for putting a microphone in his face. But what is he talking about? Michigan-Ohio State is a love-hate rivalry. I love that, man. And you guys obviously put on a great performance on Saturday. Now you're getting ready for another one in the Big Ten Championship. Last year against Purdue, I think you went for 185 rushing. Now you've got Iowa coming up. How's the week of practice going for you guys? Oh, I'm glad you done you done your research because you doggone <laughs> right. MVP too. Ah, stay humble. The Michigan difference. But uh, it's the the preparation's going great. You know, uh, we we expect great results uh, coming into coming into this game coming up. You know, we're healthy. We're uh, well we're well well rounded. Will you speak and, uh, English, you know, please? Humble, so. Uh, that, and the team is looking really great. So there's, there's nothing that I feel like we can't do. All we continue to do, all we need to continue to do is just continue to be us. Appreciate it very much. Donovan Edwards, man. Very talented player right here. We got Samaj Morgan over here, the rest of the boys enjoying it, taking it a ball game courtside. Hey, hold on, hold on. Hey, hold on. <laughs> we got to come in. By the way, anytime you're interviewing someone in a live TV setting, and you're trying to cut from them, and they say, hold on, and then they grab the camera and move the shot. Uh, probably a good time for the producers to cut away. You're closer right there, too. And, and CB, who's, who's, who's flashed out right there, too. That's uh, right. They say, go blue over in these parts, George and Greg. Glad you guys are getting something to eat. <laughs> oh, God, you got to love what George said there. That was gold. Oh, my God. Poor George, as if it's not enough, the cruel and, un and unusual punishment he's subjected to. Having to, he's got the worst broadcast combo jobs in the entire industry. 
He has to cover Michigan State football and call those games and pretend that it's exciting or, or something worth paying attention to the last two years. And then he has to do this for the Pistons, which is an even harder sell. At least there's hope for Michigan State football. Incredible. I think George deserves a ton of credit. And by the way, George, hardcore Spartan, has to listen to that in, <laughs> that in-game advertisement for U of M football, and you can, it's just it's just eroding his soul. So he comes back, and says what everyone's thinking. Uh, well, glad you guys are getting something to eat. Yeah, probably should have ate before they opened up those bottles. Let's hear George one more time because this is just so gold. Go blue over in these parts, George and Greg. Glad you guys are getting something to eat. <laughs> well done, George. That was the best part of the game. Honestly, that's the best part of the Pistons season so far. 517-300-4263. Joe and Lansing has been waiting. What's up, dude? Hey, what's up? So basically, uh, yeah, I am aware of it. Uh, maybe do I care? Kind of, but uh, I was I was there... You know, I'm 58. I was there when they were, you know, with with uh, Isaiah, uh, when they had the teams, you know, even with uh, Larry Brown. And, you know, they were the last championship they won was 2004. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I was a extreme Pistons fan back in the day. But, dude, you'd be better off putting a bunch of blind people out there and, and playing because that's how bad they are. Nothing against blind people, but, um, you know, it's 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 humiliating. It's uh, it's it's not even right. It's like what what are they putting a product on the court like that? And I mean, I I like I said, do I care? Maybe a little bit, but I know the the world's still going to turn. The the day's going to turn to night and everything like that. But you gotta, I mean, the guy's got to dump the team. I mean, if, if if that's if that's what you're showing, and you know, when I brought up the other day, I said Dwayne Casey might as well be back on the bench. And all they did is move him up to the front office. Yeah, I mean that's that showed right there that I mean, stupid move. I well, mean, look, coaching that, is predicated on talent. The greatest coaches will tell you. Izzo says that all the time. And in the NBA, coach, I'm just not convinced about coaching in the NBA. Well, I am convinced they don't do anything. It's more of the Phil Jackson approach, just keeping everyone happy and managing egos, right? So, because Monty Williams, he has a reputation as one of the great defensive minds in the NBA. And look, he's come in and the Pistons look just as bad, if not worse, as they did before they hired him. You know why? You have to have players, and they don't. They they just haven't improved the roster. Yeah, yeah. They're they're a long, long way from you know, I mean, I, playoffs, I don't know, world championship for sure, a long way away. But um, but think just, about the I, Cade Cunningham situation, man. And I know this is going to sound silly because the Pistons can give him the biggest deal out of anyone because those Larry Bird rights and the contract. But if you're Cade Cunningham, don't you have to consider not re-signing? Yeah, yeah, I would yeah, definitely consider not resigning. He could so, still yeah. get, I mean, he'll still get massively paid elsewhere, but it'll cost, you know, there'll be a significant difference, but I think it's probably worth it just for his mental health. Yeah, and as long as he can stay injury-free, right? Uh, which he seems to be doing this year. Well, that's another point. Yeah. Maybe they should trade him. Maybe they should trade him. Maybe then they can, like, get a few guys to, I don't know, man. It's the same thing. Like, they've just constantly been in this, 
rebuild since practically, you know, what, 2007? And Troy Weaver, yeah. when he took the job four years ago, said this isn't a rebuild. It's a restore. Uh, okay, we can brand it whatever we want. It's garbage, and it's not getting better. It's getting worse. Yeah, and I don't think you can – I mean, you know, we're, this is almost like a line situation. When you've got a franchise that's been around for such a long period of time, you know, you should uh, – you know, I mean, you can talk about rebuild, but that that winning thing should always be there or, you know, mental winning thing. Like, you know, you, you, you've had – you've had a franchise for – I don't know how long they've been a franchise for. I know the Lions have been a franchise for – what the original six? Ninety. But, this is the ninetieth no. season. So no, they're not original. But the Red Wings are original six. The Red Wings. Okay. All right. My bad. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, I mean, who, who would want to buy them? That's another thing. Oh, I mean, Joe. Someone them, would. Who, they print money. Yes. Yeah. Now, and I don't mean the Pistons. I mean professional sports franchises print money. Plus, look, um, the. The Pistons also don't have to worry about like paying taxes or, or keeping up the building because they're tenants of the Illiches at LCA. Yeah, it's a very wow. it's a profitable enterprise. Now it's not they're not one of the most valuable sports franchises, not even in the NBA. But you, I mean, they, they print money. The TV rights yeah. alone are worth owning it. So somebody would buy. It's a real shame. Like I have no indication Gore's is going to sell it. There's there's nothing out there. It's just us hoping and praying but if he does like let's say he sells it this year i'm gonna be so freaking pissed because matt ishbia wanted to buy him forever instead he bought the suns you know we could have had him owning this and he's interested in winning who was who was the piston spot you know they had the nba team's got sponsors now on their jerseys yeah Uh, who was their sponsor i can't remember (laughs) Uh, i'm too (laughs) I'll be honest with you. Uh, I don't. Isn't it? Isn't it? Um, Network maybe. <laughs> at one point, it was it was Ishpia's build um, business, United Wholesale Mortgage. Oh, Rocket Mor- it was uh, Rocket Mortgage. No, okay. no, it was United United Wholesale Mortgage. Okay, that's okay, Ishpia's. Yeah. I don't know who it is now because didn't it? Ch- yeah. It can't be his because he owns another NBA well, team. Yeah, yeah. And I, if I was a sponsor for that team, I'd be saying. Hold on, get me out of this. You know, <laughs> Unless you know, it's like yeah. one of those, um, one of those like disaster relief companies that come in when your house floods. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Or uh, like a like, or something like yeah, that. some yeah. like or like some uh, plumbing expert, like a like a sewage relief. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Or yeah. a mental health company that's what we really need we need better help to, to you know like zoloft or something yeah, like there that. you go the detroit pistons presented by zoloft exactly and it's funny because uh tim was at the show yesterday he said he dropped a dollar on uh the pistons uh beating the lakers uh the other day so why would you do that like seriously yeah he thought he thought they were actually going to beat the lakers and and like you said these losses are, are not just losses they're Huge loss, yeah. losing by multiple points. I don't see an end in sight either. That's the thing. Do you? No, no, not really. And 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 the, you know, it's it's hard it's hard for anybody to watch something like that. You know, everybody loves a winner. Okay, if they could be halfway competitive around the five hundred mark or whatever, you're gonna get you're gonna get more people in the in the stands. You're gonna get a better viewing audience on TV. Yeah, but you can't you can't lose fifteen in a row. 
and expect people to watch him and, and say, no. "Oh yeah, we, you know, we want to we want to see him on that losing streak." No, rather see him have fifteen or win fifteen in a row or something like that. But, at this point, can we yeah. just break the record? Because at least that feels like an accomplishment. <laughs> can they lose twenty nine yeah. in a row? Hey, before I let you go, I looked it up. Their their jersey sponsor is still United Wholesale Mortgage. That is so weird to me because the guy who runs that and owns that business owns the Phoenix Suns. That's crazy. Yeah, it ought, it ought to be some funeral parlor or something like that, too. <laughs> no, no, so. Thanks for the All call, right, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. I'll keep Ryan going. Is it Tim and Lansing? Is that you? Yes. Hey, yeah, man, you're you on there. I'm good. How about you? What you uh, got for us? Good. Can't you blame the media a little bit, the Detroit media, for allowing this stuff going on and not being really truthful about it in the media about these teams? I think that's 100% fair. Yes, we have a tendency to sugarcoat things here. This... Sometimes, actually all the time, no, I, you, I wish... Not, not Detroit, Detroit media never says anything wrong about them. They're never... Yeah. You know, I, always, I, I do. I wish we had New York or Philly or even Chicago's style media here, but we just don't. I don't know why. But, you know, you look at other media outlets. They don't even allow this. The media in other places, they tell the truth. They, they go after the team. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I just don't understand why the Detroit media don't want them do that. If I was on the Detroit media, I'd be all over these Detroit teams right now. Well, hold on, because the I think part of what's really bad about the Pistons is the other three Detroit teams are on the upswing. Uh, the Pistons are not. The Tigers, you can feel good about now. They have a you know they have some promising you're young players. That, so and, you're telling me the Wings are in the upswing? The yeah. Wings? They are. You don't believe that? No. Are, are, okay. Have you paid attention at all to the Red Wings this year? Honest question. A little bit. But yeah. I still don't think that they're about three games above 500. Well, they're, they're currently in the playoffs. And more importantly, in the offseason, they added, they made probably the biggest move of the offseason yeah, in getting to get and, and now that, Patrick Kane is coming. Yeah, he's a, he's a fossil, uh, Brandon. He's a what? Years. He's a fossil. He's 35 years old. Well, yeah, I mean, he he's not what he was, and he has a new hip, so it's basically like my grandma getting out there. But the point is, you know, Alex Dabrinkit had his best years with Patrick Kane with him, and Patrick Kane, even though a shadow of his former self, is still perhaps the greatest American hockey player ever born. And that's a that's a big deal. The, the point is, the Red Wings are a winning team now. 11 wins, 7 losses, 3 overtime losses. You know, they're, they're six points off the lead from best, you know, overall in the East. They're in the playoffs right now if it ended today. You know, so you got to feel good about that. The Tigers have a new GM. You got to believe in the vision, at least so far. Uh, they have good young players, and they have even more in the minors that people are excited about. And then the Lions, of course, despite the last, you know, last week and how the defense has been late, the Lions are still going to host a playoff game this year. The Pistons. That's the only bright spot, I think. That's the only bright spot down in Detroit. I think is um, is the Lions. The Red Wings are going to make the playoffs, Tim. Yeah, we'll wait and see on that, Brandon. Well, okay. okay. That, I don't think the Tigers are, but the Tigers. You want to know the truth? I don't think. I do think there's too many good teams on the East. They're not going to be able to. Beat. I've heard that all summer, and yet I'm looking at it right now, and they're firmly in. So look, injuries and stuff happen, but. I don't know. I, I feel good about it. At least so far, I can't predict the future. Anyway, 
Thanks for the call, man. What, what, I, oh, just, go ahead. Can I say one quick Yeah, go thing? ahead. I'll tell you what I'm really promising is Michigan State hockey, Brandon. I agree. Totally agree. What, like, now, that, they, they turned to like a, a, between a 30, they turned like a 90-degree turn, and, and look what they have done. Mm-hmm. 11 wins. Three losses. I'm with you. They, you know, they swept the number one team in the country a couple weekends ago, and then they split on the road with Minnesota, another great program last weekend. The results are there in year two. Year one was promising. Year two looks like they are ready to contend. I'm with you. I think this. I think he's for real out there. I think he's going to win some hockey games out there. I do too. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate the call. I'm up against it, but I have seen a cool thing on Twitter. Certain parts of MSU Twitter think that Jonathan Smith is the on-grass version of Adam Nightingale. And if that's true, which there's a lot to unfold before that can even come close to unfolding, that would be a hell of a, a hell of a development for this football program. Under the radar kind of guys, but still well thought of, who do more with less. Yeah, I'm all about that. We'll get more of your calls. I have some messages on the Pistons, too, in just a few minutes. It's offensive-minded, and we're back after these words. The Detroit Red Wings are back for another season on the Lansing Sports Network. He shoots, he scores on a backhand. Lansing's Big Talker, 1240 WJIM. Never miss a game again, whether you're on the go or just like doing it the old-fashioned way and sitting around the radio. He scores from the right side goal. Every face-off and every playoff can be heard on Lansing's exclusive home for Detroit Red Wings hockey. 1240 WJIM, Lansing's only home for hockey. If you want sports, you're in the right place. If you want easy listening, it's not here, buddy. We're the game, 7.30 a.m. Hey, that's an appropriate tune when talking Pistons. 15 in a row. Worst losing streak in franchise history. And it looks like a bunch more are still on the horizon. Definitely looks like there's a chance to set the NBA's all-time losing streak record, which is at 28, to get to 29. The worst ever in North American professional sports, by the way. 29 straight losses for the then Chicago Cardinals in the early to mid-1940s. Is that... Up for grabs? Potentially, yeah, I could see it. And that really makes sense because what Tom Gores has done, and make no mistake, this is not a bit. I'm not trying to exaggerate. If anything, I think this is a little muted. Tom Gores has turned the Pistons into one of our greatest joys, honestly, into the worst franchise in North American professional sports. I don't think that's an opinion. I think that's demonstrated by statistics and facts. My question is, do you even care? And be honest, there's no shame in this. I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm just trying to demonstrate the Pistons have a serious apathy problem. Be serious. If you hadn't tuned in to me today, would you be aware that the Pistons just set a franchise record for losing the most consecutive games in the history of of this team at 15? Would you have known that if you hadn't tuned in today? Do you care? Let's go to the free game 7.30 a.m. app. The mayor of Holt, John Freeberg, weighs in. This is a big deal when the mayor wants to weigh in on something like this. He says the Pistons should fire their coach and general manager. The owner sucks too. 
okay, well, you're not going to fire the coach because they just signed him to a six-year deal. That's the biggest in the history of the game for a coach. $13.1 million per year, $78.5 million over six years. The general manager, I'm with you. I, I don't know how much more we need to see out of Troy Weaver. Nothing's changed. Nothing's gotten better. There's no progress, and it's year four. This doesn't happen anywhere else. Do you guys realize that? Other sports markets don't let rebuilds go on for more than three years. The Pistons have been rebuilding since 2009, 2008. Troy Weaver is in his fourth season. I don't need to see anymore. I know what this is. John and Grand Ledge, I don't understand how the Pistons could be this bad. You would think with all these losing seasons that they would have a chance at some really nice draft picks. The Pistons must have the worst front office in pro sports. From your lips to God's ears, John. That and the Pistons, unfortunately, are in a league that subscribes to the stupid draft lottery system. If things worked like it did in the NFL or even the MLB, the Pistons would have had the number one overall pick this past year, and we have Victor Wembenyama, and we're probably not having this discussion. Instead, we're talking, wow, isn't it great to care about the NBA again because we have a generationally great talent on this team? But, you know, we got to have this stupid draft lottery so we can't be so lucky. The team that was far and away the worst in the league last year is penalized by basically lottery balls. And for some reason, picks fifth. Aaron and Williamston. John L. Smith, excuse me. That's a, wow, that's a, <laughs> that's going to be a hard, <laughs> a hard habit to break. Let me try that again. Jonathan Smith should go after Riley Leonard. Really good quarterback from Duke now in the portal. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be down with that. The kid's going to play in the NFL. We're going to get to this a little bit later on. Chris Solari's coming up in a few minutes, 5.05. We'll pick his brain on that kind of stuff. But there are a ton of quality quarterbacks in the portal right now, including a couple interesting ones within the last 24 hours. Riley Leonard, DJ Uyunglele, you know, who just played for Jonathan Smith in Corvallis, and Dante Moore. Five-star quarterback out of Detroit. Originally was committed to Oregon. UCLA swept in at the last second with a big bag of NIL cash, and he flipped. Chip Kelly started him to begin the season. Didn't go well, benched him. Part of the reason why people think Chip Kelly was about to be fired by UCLA is the donors who put up the money to land Dante Moore through NIL, and the reports out there that they gave him $1 million to flip from Oregon to UCLA. The big donors at UCLA who funded that were not happy that he wasn't playing, and Chip Kelly did what most football coaches did and said, bleep you, I'm the football coach, get bent. And so they threatened his job. That's the tea leaves out there. Anyway, Dante Moore, that'd be a nice homecoming. I'd like to see him in Jonathan Smith's offense. I'd like to see him in green and white. That'd be nice. Anyway, the point is, there's a lot of guys out there in the portal. And if... State isn't willing to go and drop seven figures to get a premier quarterback from the portal through NIL. Why even try? What's the point of all this? You should have just hired Jason Candle then because we're not serious. If you won't do that, that's how the game is played now. 517-342-63. Jeff is on the line. What's up, man? So, Vinny, I just ran a test after your 20-minute monologue, and I threw some paint on the wall and watched it dry to see which was a bigger waste of time, and you won just barely. 
So no, you're not I, a fan the of the Pistons, huh? The last thing I heard, swear to God, I, I thought at the beginning of the year, before they even started, I heard someone say they, they were optimistic from the way they ended last year and somebody they picked up and they were going to actually be halfway decent. That's the last thing I heard until today. Wow. Well, look, I'm not I'm not shaming you. I think I'm just bringing that up to demonstrate. I think you are in the majority. Most people are like that. So would you pay attention in a negative way? How many more games, I mean, do they have to lose in a row before you're like, wow, this is a problem. We need to do something about this. Oh, it's a problem now. But to be honest, when teams start losing 15 and 16, I start rooting for them to set records because <laughs> it's just fun to watch. So yeah. um, it's already past that. Yeah, that's a good point. I mentioned that earlier. Can we just set the record now? It would feel like we accomplished something. You were talking about the owners. The the Dan Gilbert owns uh, Rocket Mortgage, I believe, doesn't he? And he's the one that um, is also an NBA owner. He, yeah, and he owns the Cavs, right? Yeah, and him and uh, and our friend Ifia don't get along. I remember. Correct. So that yeah, that, that's what I thought. But yes, it's time. It would. I, I don't know how. Maybe uh, Ifia finds a new buyer and somehow. He trades and he gets the Pistons and gives up the other one. That'd be pretty awesome. It would. I just. I don't think we live that well, unfortunately. And <laughs> in order to make that happen, Tom Gores has to sell this team, and there's no indication he would do that. He's got to be losing like tons of money. No, he? Is it a no. Write off or what? No, he he's not losing money at all. First of all, they've quadrupled in value since he bought them, and that's just regular appreciation of a pro sports franchise. But also, keep in mind he made a cool hundred million dollars when he demolished and then sold the land that the palace used to sit on. Wow! Yeah, he's made that's a boatload of money. He, like, say that again. Sorry. I, there's just something wrong with with things when that that's the case. You can you can be the worst team in the NBA and your owners making buckets of money. Well, that's why whenever one of these comes open in any of the four pr- premier you know sports, there's a long list of suitors because it's the most solid investment you can have. It just prints money, and you don't have to try. You don't. You certainly don't have to win, but you don't even have to put up the appearance of trying to win. You're just going to make tons of money. That is crazy. And last thing, you know, the uh, I think we're going to turn out just fine with getting a quarterback. There's a lot of them out there. We will pay the NIL to get one, and and I still think eight wins next year. And and quit. Don't panic, people. Smith's on this, and I think it's going to turn out just fine. All right, man. Appreciate the call, Jeff. I got to leave it there because I'm up against it. And I, I'm with you. I'm not freaking out that a bunch of guys who went four and eight are in the portal. I say good riddance, guys. I know the coaching was terrible. The head coach here was terrible. And then the guys who took over on an interim basis were terrible. But really, most of these players stank. They just straight up weren't good. Good riddance. We're back with Chris Solari. To talk about, we can talk about that. We can talk about quarterbacks in the portal. And we can talk hoops. Michigan State. Lots of Michigan State topics coming up. Stay tuned. It's offensive-minded. We're back after these words. WWVFN. East Lansing. A town square media station. The game. 730 AM. Lansing's only sportster. The game. 730 AM studio is powered by Driven Collision. We make friends by accident.
506 in your capital city. Chris Solari is on the line with us, the Detroit Free Press MSU beat writer. And honestly, a man of many talents, including doing sports radio interviews while hanging Christmas lights and the only man in recorded existence to respond to text messages with gifs of Hondo Carpenter. Wow. What a renaissance man. That's not true. First of all, that's not true. There are at least... If there's a small contingent of people who have access to that, I cannot tell you who they are. They're a very <laughs> secretive group. Where do you um, get them? They, they, also have, they also have a manifesto, but I can't really explain ah, what the gotcha. manifesto is for. But um, also, I'm not hanging Christmas lights yet. I am getting the groundwork done. Okay. So <laughs> before, it, before the weather turns and... Now that I've had like a half second to breathe for a minute um, from football season transitioning to basketball season with a coaching search mm-hmm. now done, um, it's it's a nice time to to get festive if the kids as the kids say if they do yeah wow that's nice what a good dad but hey you know you're saying things are settling down but are they because I wanted to pick your brain on this you know Michigan State Jonathan Smith. You know, nice to meet you, shake hands, kiss babies, take the pictures, all that. But he's got to get to work right away. And oh, yeah. he's got to do a lot of work in the portal to, to field a competitive team, and I suspect he will. But on his end first, I want to talk about the portal on Michigan State's side. So what is it, 14 now who have entered the portal since he was hired? Uh, as of at least five minutes ago, yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, uh, but listen, I mean, if you've been paying attention today, the amount of guys that have gone into the portal. I mean, my phone is, I'm trying to do all this stuff around the house a little bit, but and it, it, I got a l- alert set for when guys go into the portal, um, not just, not MSU guys, but like nationally. And it's, it's been a tweet a minute. It seems mm-hmm. like from everywhere, from Harvard to, you know, power five schools to yep. national powers. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a wild time right now and it it starts when you get to this point and you start seeing all this movement you start to wonder man what is this anymore for sure and you you referenced thor griffith or for thor griffin he's the harvard defensive lineman michigan state and jonathan smith have already offered him he's supposedly going to be one of the top gets uh, in the D-line portal this offseason but have you been hearing what i've been hearing like there there are like pretty connected national sources saying that they're sitting on names of guys who are going to enter the portal that are absolutely going to blow our minds. Yeah, I know. I, I've seen the stuff on the national scope on that. And I, that's what I'm saying. It's like, at some point, someone's got to sit there and objectively look at this and say, what is this? What are right. we doing? You know, I mean, that's kind of what, you know, I mean, what, listen, I don't care what any of the recruitniks say or the the meme creators if you will for a lot of those kids um who are doing a lot of that work um nothing nothing surprises me anymore nothing nothing not a single thing and not a single person going into or out of the transfer portal surprises me because this is the generation and this is the what it is this is exactly what college sports has become particularly college football. I don't think it's as nearly as, as huge of a deal in, in college basketball, but in college football, whew, I mean, you, you better, you, the old joke about, you know, you need a roster to, 
figure out the names and, and numbers. You need that every every couple weeks mm-hmm. at this point. So let's talk about the guys on MSU's side who have entered the portal. I don't want to. I'm not talking about breaking them down or anything like that. But I have noticed that the whatever segment of the fan base that is vocal is is concerned. Some are more concerned than others that they're hemorrhaging players. But I want you to adjudicate my response because my response is. Oh, did I lose you? No. Can you hear me, Chris? Are you there? All right. Let's. Here, I'll try dialing him back. I hope he didn't fall off that. <laughs> hope he didn't fall off the ladder. Live radio. Apologize for that. Just dialed him back. We'll see what happens. Here, let's just go straight to it. We can hear it ring. And I think I dialed it wrong. <laughs> Stimulating live radio. I tell you, you won't get this anywhere else. All right. As, oh, ringing. So I'm okay. I didn't get electrocuted. Okay. Good. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yes, I can. Oh, thank God. I, I thought you were Chevy <laughs> Chase in Christmas vacation. <laughs> okay. Um, about the guys in the portal, you know, uh, there's a chunk of the fan base that's not taking that well and is, is, is panicking. But my reaction, and this is what I wanted you to respond to. Tell me. If I'm right, if I'm wrong, somewhere in between. I don't think it's a bad thing to lose a bunch of guys who went four and eight. Yeah, I mean, the only problem is you're losing the guys that go four and eight. um, And a lot of those guys are your top contributors. You know, I mean, that's, I think, you know, a guy like the the ones that really surprised me was Derek Harmon. Um, Maybe more so than any of the others. I mean, you know, we know that the offensive line has been a struggle. Um, we know that there's been a lot of, I mean, wide receivers are, you know, I don't want to say a diva position, but they're always going to want to know who the next, who's throwing on the ball. Um, but, man, the Derek Harmon one is, to me, mystifying because he's a Detroit kid. He's been really steady and, I think, primed for a breakout. So he, I think he's an important one for that program to keep. Um, but many of the other ones, I mean, you know, Terrell Henry had his ups and downs and Ron Glover has showed some promise, but was hurt so much. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I do get what you're coming at though. Um, you know, it's not like you were losing Deion Coleman and, uh, Payton yeah. at this point. Right. Right. Um, and also I feel like fans are only looking at it through one end, like, Shouldn't there be some attention paid to the fact that maybe this isn't the player's choice or they're reading the tea leaves? Like uh, these offensive linemen, I'm sure, had a very, a very straight up conversation with Jonathan Smith and new O line coach Jim Mahalchik. It was like, hey, you don't really fit what we want to do here. Yeah. And well, here's the thing I, I don't know how many, and I don't know if they can at this point with the assistance he's planning on bringing. I don't know what, what the parameters are. Because, I mean, let's face it, Jonathan Smith's not officially hired yet. I mean, right. we're still waiting on board approval on that. So, I don't know if those coaches can start work immediately. Um, you know, because he's been very uh, quiet about talking about his potential future staff. But I think he's relaying what the other coaches have given. And 
you know, he's an offensive guy, so he understands that. He understands the quarterback position in particular, and I think that's another one. You know, he's, it, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, you lose three quarterbacks into the portal of your all three of your scholarship quarterbacks. Not a good thing unless you have a plan lined up to maybe bring in your two quarterbacks for Morgan State. I mean, Umbilele mm-hmm. went in today. Yep. Um, and who knows what Aiden Childs will do. Um, but, you know, maybe one of those current quarterbacks stays. I do think it's interesting if Umbilele does come to Michigan State. Uh, Caden Hauser and him both went to St. John Bosco. So there's some shared lineage there, and they're all Southern California guys. But we'll see. I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting. And, it, you know, obviously the Dante Moore situation, who knows what that's going to bring. Yeah, and I wanted to mention that because that's the breaking news at this hour. Dante Moore, who was a five-star quarterback in the last recruiting cycle out of Detroit Martin Luther King High School, uh, who was committed to Oregon but then flipped at the 11th hour when UCLA came calling with a bag of NIL cash. And then he played a little bit, started a few games, didn't do so well. I think it was like 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Chip Kelly benched him. And you can read between the lines there while all the noise about Kelly maybe getting fired started. I mean, am I speaking out of school here, Chris? But the donors who put up the money to pay him a million bucks, Dante Moore, that is, to come to UCLA at the last second, weren't happy he wasn't playing. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's something with that. But this is this is the, the era in which we live, right? Yep. I mean, do we know that Dante Moore, I mean, was it Chip Kelly that said, we need to get this kid, let's flip him, or was it the donors saying, there's a four-star, five-star kid who we can flip? Right. I mean, who's running, who's running the show anymore? Is it the donors? Is it the coaches? Is it the administrators? I don't know. Yep. You know, and I think that's kind of going to be an interesting thing because I do think that when we start talking NIL situations, the decision that Michigan State made, and let me rephrase that, the decision that SD4L made to pull the NIL money is going to have reverberations on recruits, on portal players, and everything else. I mean, that's, that's going to be a bad look. It's going to be used against Michigan State, and I, I believe it's already being used against Michigan State in recruiting. So, Yep, I read that too. This is, this is what I'm saying about everything being upturned is who's in charge? You know, I, I, I mean, if the donors are in charge, you know, who knows? Maybe Urban Meyer is the coach, you know, but, <laughs> this, but there's, what are we doing? We don't know. This is, this is the, the reality of college football in 23. You reported that St- uh, Smith's going to have an assistant, assistant coach salary pool of $10.75 million. So let's put that in context. Yeah, I, I think that's the, that, there's a little caveat with that. In how in the wording change from from what Mel Tucker's contract was for the seven point five for on field assistance to this okay seven five eleven million, but it does show a commitment to the off field stuff, which I think is critical. What would you okay? So could you quantify as best you could what the what chunk of the ten point seven five goes to on field staff or on field coaches rather? I mean, I don't I don't know that because I don't know how uh, that's going to be up to Jonathan Smith and. Alan Howler to kind of figure that out, you know, moving those pieces around. Do you want to pay more for a strength and conditioning coach? Because it sure seems like that's an important piece that this program needs again. Um, do you want to pay more for social media? Because I know that that was an issue they didn't have. They had a lot of students working in the social media and not very many full-timers. So that's, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it's going to be up to Smith to kind of figure out 
that direction. But I think you, you obviously got to first and foremost get the best possible coordinators you can and then go from there. Well, I'm just happy to hear there's more pay for staff because they clearly need to bolster their quality control staff for the Jumbotron, but I digress. Um, so the 10 points of... I don't think that's in this contract. <laughs> I think that is a general uh, athletic department budget. They, they may want to consider it, though, just saying. Uh, 10.75 million. All right, let's just play in the universe where that's this, you know, just assistant coach total pay. If it were, that would be the highest in the nation this past year. Ohio State has the highest right now at 9.3 million. So the, the, the point I'm getting is, yes, it's a serious investment. Now, I want to just transition off of that into defensive coordinator because he already has offensive coordinator set. Defensive coordinator, clearly they wanted to bring Trent Bray with, and that's what my dream was too because, man, I love that defense. But he's been elevated to head coach. By the way, did you find that extremely bizarre? They made him the head coach permanently, but they're still an interim head coach, and Trent Bray will not coach in the bowl game. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it is a little weird, but, you know, it could have been an enticement to keep other coaches, too. Sure. I mean, okay. Like, now you've got, you know, and that's the thing is, you know, we, there's all this stuff about the coaches that he's bringing, but who knows what ends up happening, I mean, until contracts are signed, right? I mean, <laughs> to, to, to borrow a phrase from a friend of mine, they have pledged to come to Michigan State with Jonathan Smith. Are they committed? Until pen on paper, they are just pledges. Okay, so let's dive into defensive coordinator. Two names I've already heard. Everyone brings up Jim Leonard because he's available, um, and that's concerning to me. Like, why would a guy who's such a great defensive coordinator only be an off-field analyst at Illinois if he was such a defensive whiz anymore? And then Mike Tressel, who's the defensive coordinator with Luke Fickle at Wisconsin and, you know, had a ton of success here. Uh, that would require paying him probably $2 million and make him among the highest-paid defensive coordinators. Uh, any other names out there that you've heard or in, you know, on the list or have been contacted? Yeah, I haven't heard any names, but, I mean, it's, a lot of it, I think, is just because Jonathan Smith is so fresh, and we don't know exactly what direction he wants to go, and I think that's an important caveat. So when you start talking Mike Tressel, one thing that I do think was interesting was how much he talked about leaning and relying on Mark D'Antonio and his advice and a lot of those things. And knowing D'Antonio is a defensive guy, I mean, you know, you, you don't want to say Harlan Barnett, you know, to, to ruffle feathers, but, hey, I mean, the guy's been a defensive coordinator. And I don't care what anybody says about – I've heard a lot of fans complaining about Harlan Barnett's secondary. you got to understand that the techniques that he was teaching under Mark D'Antonio were completely altered yep. with Mel Tucker. Sure. And people, I don't think, understand that the idea of, you know, the press quarter, quest quarters and, and forcing the guys outside versus forcing them inside changed a lot of that. Um, so if they get back to that kind of defense, whether it be Trestle, whether it be Barnett or whoever it might be, um, you know, I think there's there, there may be a, a, a good role for uh, Harlan in, the, in this program. But we'll see. I mean, you know, <laughs> There's going to be names that are going to come up, though, over the next couple of weeks because jobs are going to come open and other other coaches are going to want to get away. So just kind of hold on on that. What about Phil Parker? Um, he has a reputation as one of the best defensive coordinators in the game. He has a connection here. He played. He was a defensive back at Michigan State under Perlis. Uh, he's obviously excellent. Iowa's defense is regularly one of the best in the country they're paying him well 1.4 million dollars they again to get him they probably got to pay him two to, to make him the highest paid guy 60 years old could that make sense you think 
possible. I mean, but who knows what's going on with Iowa? Who knows what right. ends up happening with Kirk Ferentz? Yeah. After all is said and done here, I mean, you know, Phil Parker could end up being elevated to their head coach position at that point with all the turnover there. Who knows? I mean, it's, but he's certainly a name to keep an eye on because he understands Big Ten defenses. Sure. Um, excuse me, Big Ten offense. <laughs> My bad. He's the only person in Iowa City who understands offense. Um, <laughs> he is. <laughs> Maybe they should have made him the offensive coordinator to try and. Yeah. And he, he, he's. Both maybe they should look at. Uh, it's funny I heard. Um, maybe maybe look at uh, Ferentz's Brian Ferentz as uh, defensive coordinator. So good at not. Uh, <laughs> I would love it. They just traded. That would be the most <laughs> Iowa thing. <laughs> um, okay, we've we've talked transfer portal. What? Oh, I did. I forgot to mention this. Uh, Henry Kissinger has entered the transfer portal. Your thoughts? Uh, I. I can't say anything that hasn't already been said about the man. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. That's fine. Um, hey, I wanted to talk about Jonathan Smith here now that you've met him. Um, have you met him, like, one-on-one outside yeah. of the press? Not, How does that one but okay. we, we, had him, we had him off the podium for a little while. Uh, got to introduce myself and, and talk a little bit. Um, obviously, it's a whirlwind. And that's the thing is that, you know, for coaches, when they first get a new job, but not just that. I mean, I, this is why I've been asking about this. This is a this is a significant move to move your family across the country yeah. um, and learn a new area. I mean, he talked about hopping in the car and going five, three, four hours and start meeting some of the high school coaches, which is you got got to do it in haste now with the early signing period. Um, you know, he 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 doesn't say a lot, but he says things with substance, which I think is important. Um, he's not one of those, he's not talking to talk. Um, so I think it's going to be fascinating. The, the change, uh, in, in he made it a, a point of emphasis to say, this is going to be a program of substance. And I think there's something to be said about the previous program and all that. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, you can, yeah. you can be honest with me. Isn't it exciting and just refreshing to have a coach at Michigan state? who like likes to talk and can talk we'll see i mean you know I, when mel tucker was introduced i i thought that he had in his initial press conference and in the first couple meetings that we had with him um i thought he had a little bit of tom Izzo in him in terms of personality when he wasn't on camera and all that and i think that listen that was that there's something to be said about that, um, but I do think the pandemic affected some of that, his ability to translate that, uh, particularly out of the get-go, and everything in from there was on Zoom for a few months. And um, I don't think he ever recaptured that first month uh, of his uh, personality, and it became very guarded, very, very stoically saving in saying things that were repetitious and maybe a little vaping. Um, I, I don't think that, I, I do think that there was some substance there with him uh, that he never really got the chance to show. Um, but, you know, ultimately when that comes down to it, that become that comes down to a coach knowing who they are and being who they are. And I don't think he ever felt comfortable being who he was at times. Um, even though he, you know, probably one of the most honest moments of his entire tenure um, in a press conference setting was when he called himself a horse bleep coach. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, so, so the personality was there. I, I just think that, you know, obviously 
time and, and timing in some ways kind of kind of changed him and, and took him away from the initial path. So I, I do think, though, that Jonathan Smith, you can tell that he, like I said, he has a lot of things that have some, some meat and weight to them when he does say it. It's just he's not using a lot of words. He, he's an editor's friend. I'm a horse football coach right now. I'm going to keep that drop because it's just golden. Um, hey, I wanted to ask you, let us behind the curtain. And me too, because back when I covered the team, there was no coaching change, but ever, you know. Um, when the new coach comes in, do you guys get one-on-ones with him? Does he, like, sit you down? Or is there even an informal thing? Like, you know, Izzo occasionally, or I don't know if he does anymore, he used to have, like, the media cookout thing. Yeah, he does some different things. Um, you know, I know that, like, the Detroit News beat writer Maddie. Kenny just came in and he sat down with her to kind of get the lay of the land. And, you know, a little different for me with Izzo because I'd been around the program for God only knows since he started in in a lot of ways. So I was known, Um, but I did get a phone call from him when I took over for Rex road, for instance. Um, And we talked for a while uh, with the job in 2016. Yeah, but you're also pies on. So you get special treatment. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know about that, but uh, I, I think, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Jonathan Smith progresses. I, I you know, I got a, a request out for a one-on-one. We didn't have one with Mel Tucker, um, but M- Mitch Album did. Um, but so I, there, that's one of those. Um, and, and I think if you looked at how Mel Tucker approached his program, he was reaching out to national people, and he was trying to use the Washington Post, yeah. trying to use bigger cigar aficionado magazine, for instance, mm-hmm. um, you know, those type of venues to explain his program. And there was a massive disconnect locally. And I think, and I'm not just talking from a media standpoint, there was a massive disconnect with high school coaches. There was a massive disconnect with high school kids and, and kids in the region. This is why Jonathan Smith is coming in, making it a priority to go to Ohio, go to Michigan, go to Indiana and Illinois, all these places nearby, because Mel Tucker was too busy down in Georgia, Texas, California, everywhere else but the home turf, mm-hmm. and following a blueprint that Mark D'Antonio used to build it. And, you know, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see, though. I, I, I've got a request in, though, so because I'm very curious, because I do think that his story is just so fascinating. And such a parallel to Tom Izzo's in a lot of ways uh, when I'm talking about Jonathan Smith in that he went and was a walk-on and became a yeah. star player at a Power 5 school as a walk-on, where Izzo did it at a Division two school. So, And he was an All-American. So it'll be fascinating to see kind of his idea and vision and, and kind of get a little bit more than just the podium-type stuff. Okay, and let's let's wrap up with um, MSU hoops. If you got a couple more minutes, is that okay, Chris? Yeah. yeah. All right. You mentioned Izzo. He said before the Georgia Southern game, I thought he had some really interesting comments that the freshmen aren't ready to play and they're going to start after. The, after. The it was game. after. Okay, sorry. All. You, yeah. I think you can understand everything blends together the last oh, week yeah. or so, but uh, yeah, he's going to tighten the rotation down because Big Ten play starts next week when Penn State comes in here. Oh, sorry. No, I'm looking way ahead. It's Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yep, yep. Comes in on, what is that, Tuesday? I can't tell. Anyway. It is Tuesday. All right. We're, we're the, the overlap season is done. And by the way, it's nice to not have a coaching search in the overlap season. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Wisconsin coming in to start Big Ten play. 
they got to take these freshmen out of the rotation, he says. What is that going to look like? I think that Xavier Booker getting sparing minutes as a part, um, I think that's ultimately the one person that you're talking about. I mean, I asked him about, just after he said that, I asked him about Jeremy Fears, and he's really happy with Jeremy Fears and the job that he did in that Georgia Southern game, and, and Trey Holloman, uh, the sophomore, in taking that point guard spot and you know using A.J. Hogart off the bench, too, and kind of splitting those minutes between the three. Um, I think Fears' minutes are going to go up just because he is a, is you know how revered uh, this kid is by Izzo right now in terms of leadership, and that's something that this program and this team needs right now. Um, as far as Cohen Carr, who's the other one, I, you know, Izzo was complimentary about a lot of the things, but I, there's a, a defensive side that he needs to uh, show more of. Um, and, it, you know, that listen, he, he can make up for it a lot of times with his freakish athleticism, but knowing where you got to be uh, in Big Ten play is going to be critical, so um, I, I think that you know, if Cohen Carter right now is averaging, you know, 17 minutes a game, maybe he loses a few of those minutes in Big Ten play, but he's still going to be a vital part. Uh, the big key is Booker and trying to get Booker's motor going. That's something he talked about out in uh, Arizona is that Booker's motor is just not there. And, you know, some of it is the size. Some of it is the, you know, lack of, uh, I guess, girth and, and bulk to handle Big Ten play. And some of it is that right now he's lost defensively, and on offense, he's hovering around the three-point line. You can't really count on him in the paint. And right. what you need at that position is Malik Carr or, or, Co- or excuse me, Malik Hall or Cohen Carr are, aren't afraid to go inside and mix it up at the four. And, you know, I, I, I think that's, that's going to be a work in progress. Right. For the people all that just look at the star ratings, you got to watch because um, he is he struck transition basketball. Some people I talked to in Indiana, Bill Motor was going to be an issue with him anyway. Um, you know, over he even arrived on campus, and that's I think. But let's 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 the the issues that Michigan State has, has Xavier Booker is probably farther down, maybe five or six down on behind the veterans um, and getting. A.J. Hogarth, right, first and foremost, getting more out of J.J. Nate, getting Parker back healthy and playing the way he, he can, and, you know, getting the other two bigs in, in Cooper and Sizzle producing, and then you start worrying about Xavier Booker. All right, man, I think that covers everything, unless there's anything else you wanted to touch on. I don't know. What time are you getting over here to help me split up these lights? <laughs> hey, man, if you're good at something, don't do it for free. Sorry, so... Yeah. That silence tells me you're not coming. Can you hear me? Oh, my gosh. We lost him again right at the worst possible time. Man, I had a great I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay. I I thought you were just making that up that, you know, you couldn't hear me because I asked you to come. No, I originally said if you're good at something, you never do it for free. So you're going to have to have some beer there. But, you know, I, I may have that, but or you can I'll give me open. some inside dirt on the portal or, you know, Jonathan Smith. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm open to other forms of remuneration. <laughs> Thanks for your time, uh, as always, well, I got dude. Some old bottled water out here. You can have oh, so. delicious. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> See you, man. Talk All to right, you later. Bye. All right. We'll go to break and we'll come back for the last segment. Other stuff I need to get to with you there. Michigan State's next president.
They've got it down to this one guy, and they have for like two weeks now. Is it going to be him? I got to tell you, the latest news about that, very disappointing to me. Not necessarily because I think he's not going to take the job, but because I'm not so sure he's qualified. Because something that's come out that he said is incredibly stupid. Stay tuned for that. It's offensive-minded. And we're back after these messages. Sure, you could listen to Static. (laughs) Or you could get the free Game 730 AM mobile app in your app store today and listen longer. Without the interruptions from the Static. Listen live to all your favorite moments in sports and hear all the action. The Game 730 AM app also has tons of great restaurant deals for you. It's waiting for you right now in the app store today. The Game 730 AM app is powered by Driven Collision. We make friends by accident. The Detroit Red Wings are back for another season on the Lansing Sports Network. He shoots, he scores on the backhand. Lansing's Big Talker, 1240 WJIM. Never miss a game again, whether you're on the go or just like doing it the old-fashioned way and sitting around the radio. He scores from the right side goal line. Every face-off and every playoff can be heard on Lansing's exclusive home for Detroit Red Wings hockey. 1240 WJIM, Lansing's only home for hockey. The, the, the best in sports talk starts now on the only station the people of Lansing turn to for sports. The game, seven thirty a.m. All right, five forty here in Lance. You know, we've been covering the MSU president search on and off. It's important. I know this is a sports radio station. Some of you may be thinking, what the hell does this have to do with sports? I understand, but, you know, the best presidents slash chancellors, whatever the hell you want to call them, in college sports are the ones who realize the value, particularly of football and basketball, to the overall mission of the school. Especially especially football. Football, your football program, if done right, is the best recruiting mechanism for everything at your university. Not just for football players to get better talent, but also to get better people and, and more interested in coming to school there. Look, when your football team does well, applications go up. That's been proven virtually across the country. It's a big deal. If only because you need your president to be, or chancellor to be, in line with the athletic department. And we know all too well firsthand what it's like when you don't have that kind of alignment. Think Peter McPherson. There's a reason they lost Nick Saban. Because Peter McPherson was an academic slash, you know, government guy. Didn't really care about sports. Luana K. Simon, despite how it all ended, understood the value of the football program. That was the golden years at Michigan State, at least in my lifetime. You had Simon, Hollis, and the board, which is the real X factor here, all pulling in the same direction along with D'Antonio and Izzo. Like, that's just never happened here before, and I think a lot of us started to take it for granted. It was the exception, not the rule. We've seen that play out since, and many of you saw it before. We need to get back to that if we're going to be serious about contending in football. 
It's so hard to do without everyone on board and with the infighting at different levels throughout the university. So this is important to sports. All right, so the guy that they've had zeroed, they've been zeroed in on, in case you forgot. His name is Kevin Guskowitz. He's the chancellor at UNC Chapel Hill. What does chancellor mean? What's the significance of being chancellor instead of president? Okay, so the University of North Carolina is a system, meaning it has several campuses. The president of the University of North Carolina is the guy or gal, I don't know whom, that's in charge of all of those campuses. Guskowitz is the chancellor of the flagship campus at Chapel Hill, the one we're all familiar with, Tar Heels, right? That means he's just the president, essentially, of that one campus, not the entire system. That's all it means. So to recap two weeks ago, it was leaked that state was down to two finalists, this guy, Guskowitz, out of UNC Chapel Hill, and another guy, Amy was his last name, I think, and he was from Texas San Antonio. He was the president of Texas San Antonio. The names leaked. The Amy guy backed out, which was probably the design of the leaks, and they've been negotiating with Guskowitz for two weeks. There had been no real update I hadn't seen until the state news had this story yesterday. And you can find a link to it as well as my little recap and thoughts on it at thegame730am.com or in the free Game 730 AM app. Let me read you from the state news story. Statenews.com. UNC Chancellor says he'll only take MSU presidency if Board of Trustees promises not to. (sighs) Interfere. (laughs) Yeah. I can't believe this is real. But I'll read you a little bit from the story. Kevin Guskowitz, the current Chancellor, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and sole remaining candidate for Michigan State University's presidency, wrote that he'd only accept the job if he is able to, quote, lead without undue interference. In written statements made to MSU's faculty weeks ago, Guskowitz said he's had very direct and honest conversation with MSU's board of trustees, who have been accused, by the way, of interfering in the university's last two presidencies, about working more cohesively with his theoretical administration. The writings give the first glimpse into his conversations with and plans for handling MSU's notoriously meddlesome elected board. Quote, if I were fortunate to be selected as the next president, I would only accept the role if I were given the opportunity to lead MSU without undue interference. Instead, leading in a trusted partnership with the trustees, faculty and staff. I'm going to read that again because it seems like fiction. Quote, if I were fortunate to be selected as the next president, I would only accept the role if I were given the opportunity to lead MSU without undue interference. Instead, leading in a trusted partnership with the trustees. (laughs) I can't even get through that sentence. It's so unbelievable and completely not based in reality. I just I'm having a hard time believing this guy is is serious. But let me let me try this again. 
I would only accept the role if I were given the opportunity to lead MSU without undue interference. Instead, leading in a trusted partnership with the trustees. <laughs> he wrote that he is, quote, confident that the trustees are committed to this. <laughs> and that he believes the board, quote, values the principles of shared governance. <laughs> The board did not return the state news request for comments. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. I know it's a cliche, but I literally cannot believe what I just read. Like, I can't believe he actually said that or he actually wrote that in these written statements. In his responses, Guskowitz said that he and the board, quote, discussed openly the need for faculty and staff to be able to challenge administrators and challenge trustees to be better. <laughs> In return, it is expected that faculty would be focused on a collective true north built on a commitment to intellectual diversity and teaching our students how to think, not what to think, and how to remain curious. Okay, well, that's, that's all well and good. Again, I'm just having a hard time believing that this guy is actually serious. So to recap, basically, Kevin Guskowitz has given the MSU Board of Trustees an ultimatum. I'm sure he wouldn't characterize it as that, but let's call a spade a spade. He knows he has them by the you-know-whats. Because of the board's own incompetence and infighting, and you're never going to convince me that that's not the reason why the two names were leaked. I am positive. Not because I have proof or someone who would told me, but I just know the way things work around here. And by the way, I don't think it takes a ton of intelligence or contextual experience to know what happened here. But based on that, I draw from those skills to be able to put together the pieces of what happened. Because we have reporting from the state news that the board was split between those two guys, Guskowitz and the Texas San Antonio president. Well, one side, we don't know which one, leaked the names because they knew that would result in the one they didn't want to drop out. And it happened. The downside to that, though, is besides the board just completely humiliating itself and this entire school by extension again, and further sullying the reputation here and making the job even less attractive. On top of all that, it really puts you behind the eight ball in negotiations because Guskowitz, and by the way, it doesn't take an academic to know this, knows that he has all the leverage. He knows that the search has to basically start over if he says no. So he has added leverage in negotiations. Because of that and because... He has eyeballs and ears, and he knows what this group of people on the board, what this cancerous body attached to Michigan State has a reputation for over decades and generations. He understands all of that. He is trying to get it in writing and in an illegally enforceable way in his contract that they have to stay the bleep out of his way. And they can't do to him what they've done to Woodruff and Stanley. Smart guy. But here's the thing. 
basically what he's asking them to do or giving them the ultimatum about is he's calling on the board of trustees, the Michigan State Board of Trustees, to abandon its instinct to interfere and to overcome its pathological obsession with being the center of attention in favor of fulfilling its oath to the taxpayers of this state to serve the interests of Michigan State University. Now, that sounds reasonable in a vacuum until you apply the context and you remember who we're talking about here. Now, I know there are a ton of academics who have some of the greatest minds in the world. There are academics who have, they just have greater mental capacities. They're capable of thinking more than us and figuring things out better. But sometimes, despite that added mental might, they lack common sense. I'm a little worried Kevin Guskowitz is lacking common sense because tigers do not change their stripes. Guskowitz might as well ask the sun to start rising in the west and setting in the east. The trustees here at Michigan State are there for one reason, to look after their own interest. And that's the way it's always been. And it's going to continue to be that way unless or until we finally as a state, wake up and realize that leaving the composition of this board up to millions of people who couldn't care less and are just voting straight party ticket, we're going to continue to have this mess until we wake up and change the way people get on the board. I really hope this ploy by Guskowitz is a joke or someone dared him to do it. (laughs) Because if he honestly thought there was even the slightest chance, again, that this cancerous growth that continues to drive Michigan State University straight into the ditch would even for one second entertain the notion that it doesn't know better than anyone and everyone else, then this guy, Guskowitz, clearly is not qualified for this job because he would be a dumbass to believe that any of that was possible. I like this guy, by the way. I don't know anything about hiring a university president. I'm just being selfish about it. I like that he's a sports guy. He made his academic bona fides in concussion research. He comes from a power five school that understands the value of certainly basketball, but also UNC has invested in football lately and it's paid off. I like that. I want him here. Also, I would like this search to finally be over and maybe since he has experience at UNC dealing with problematic board, <laughs> don't get me wrong, the board at UNC, although it has had its troubles and its run-ins with him, equates to Michigan State's the same way the Lakeland Tigers hold up to the current World Series champion Texas Rangers. Big difference. But I don't know, man. I'm worried about his, his judgment and competence now that he thinks the board would actually hear him out on this did he really think that this written statement was going to cause the board to turn over a new leaf do you think Rima Vassar is going to read that and be like you know what his appeal to my inner Spartan has really resonated with me you know what I'm going to stop fighting 
with everyone else on this board who doesn't agree with me. And I'm going to stop invoking race and misogyny every time someone calls me out correctly and criticizes me for something I deserve criticism for. I'm going to start doing what I took an oath to do. To look out for Michigan State first and Rima Vassar second. You think that's really going to happen? Yeah, it's not going to happen. This guy's cut out for the job everywhere else. He has the kind of experience necessary to be president at Michigan State. No, I'm not talking about scholastic pedigree. I'm not talking about a robust wardrobe of vintage tweed blazers like Luana K. Simon had. And I'm not even talking about hating the University of Michigan with the fire of a thousand suns. I'm talking about how to know. Excuse me. I'm talking about knowing how to deal with a pain in the ass governing board. I really hope it's him, but I have my doubts, unfortunately. Not that anyone would be set up to succeed in this environment. Because remember, the board of trustees job, as it's laid out in the law, is to kind of provide just oversight of the president and stuff like that. They're not supposed to be involved in the day-to-day management of the university at any level, but that's exactly what they want to do. That's got to change. And frankly, I just, I don't see it changing as long as these people keep getting there because of straight party ticket voting. I, I, I don't know how to fix it. I've told you, to me, if you just apply common sense, who should really get to decide who the president, excuse me, who should really get to decide who sits on the governing board of Michigan State University? Anyone applying common sense would say the students and faculty and employees and staff at the university. They should get to decide who's in charge. That's the way it works everywhere else in the world, right? The shareholders, the stakeholders decide who's in charge. But for some reason, we leave it up to stupid partisan politics. And the reason these people get there is because their party conventions nominate them. So, of course, we get career political hacks who only know one skill, and that's self-preservation, who only have who only have one goal in life, to look out for number one. If you drink poison, you're going to die. We got to stop drinking poison. Back tomorrow, 4 to 6. Until then, be safe and be good.